The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. get into the word now because this, I want to just relax for a moment and let you know why I'm excited to get into the word this morning. Um, I had an extremely challenging week this past week, really challenging, like every single day. You know, Monday comes around and you're like, well, it's Monday, right? I mean, I mean, even Garfield hates Mondays, right? So <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's Monday, so you kind of expect it. And then you get through Monday, and you wake up on Tuesday, and you're ready to go because it's a new day. You know, Monday was yesterday. And then Tuesday, like, you know, Tuesdays are are never identified as having anything negative, right? I mean, like, when I think Tuesday, I think of tacos, right? And I love tacos. Like, that's a good thing, right? But then Tuesday came, and Tuesday was worse than Monday. And it was just one challenge after the next. And then, and then, you know, you make it through Tuesday, and you're thinking, man, praise God, I made it through Tuesday. And, and guess what happened next? Wednesday. Then Wednesday came, and you kind of get where I'm going with this. Every day was met with one challenge after the next. And I've got to admit to you, I started to get a little tired. Have you ever gotten tired? I mean, you just start to feel a little worn, a little thin, where you're thinking, my God, how much more can I give? Did you say how much more can you ask? Is that? Oh, don't ask. Don't ask. I got you. Yeah, yeah. Don't ask that. Don't ask that question. Yeah. Uh, but that was, those were some of the thoughts that were going through my mind. It's like when you, when you have poured it all out and you're evaluating, you know, where you stand, there are all of these feelings and statements and questions and things that can fly through your mind. And I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They're, they're, it's like they fly through your mind. You don't sit and ponder them and think about them but they're just all firing off in all directions. And, and those are times that I believe every single person walks through. And as you're walking through those times, I think it's important to understand that that is a very powerful moment. Now, powerful is, is relative. I mean, it could move in either direction. It could be powerfully productive or it could be powerfully destructive. You know, I mean, it, it could, you're, you're at a crossroads there. When you're in those moments and all those thoughts, and, and the whispers that I would, would hear in my ear that I would have to, to put in their prosper place, proper place, excuse me, were whispers of, of giving up, of, of quitting, of cutting losses and moving on, you know, those kinds of things. Now, now just so that you're, we're, we're clear, this was with matters with men that I work with and do some other projects with. These were matters that were, were uh, very work-related. And in these situations, everything that I was, was pondering and thinking about, there, every one of these moments was a crossroads. And I realized something this, this week, that we're constantly at a state of decision-making to decide which direction we're going to go. And, and the decisions and the choices that we make in our lives are, are very much going to affect our direction. So I want to look in the Word at something very specific because I feel like the Word speaks to us about these crossroads, the things that we deal with and face. As as we get into the Word, there's a few things we're going to find. If you want to take some notes, I encourage that. Uh, You might jot these things down, things that we'll look forward to. They're things that stand out to to me as we, we arrange the Scripture 
And I hope that they stand out to you as important too. The, the first one is what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, what we're supposed to be doing. There's probably a dozen different ways that that could have been worded. But, but for simplicity's sake, what we're supposed to be doing, we'll find that off right away and then we'll build on that. A second thing that we're going to find is how we can be like Jesus. How we can be like Jesus. Now, this is really important because the call on your life is the call to be just like Jesus. And any feeling, any thought that would make you inferior is not from God because God has called you, he's washed you and purified you and cleansed you of all of your sins so you're holy just like Jesus is holy. He poured out the Holy Spirit upon Jesus. You know, when you see Jesus be baptized and the Holy Ghost comes upon him and then remains upon him, and now he's poured out his Holy Spirit upon us, the saints, just like Jesus. We have a calling and an anointing to minister just like Jesus. Jesus said, I came to destroy the works of the devil, and I've got news for you. You are the greatest threat to hell since the resurrection because you have the exact same call on your life to destroy the works of the devil. So we're going to find how to be like Jesus. There's a passage of scripture here that shows us very specifically a way in which we can be like him. A third thing that we're going to find is the foundation to successful thinking, successful living. There's something that needs to be at the foundation of everything that we, we think about and everything that we, we do in order to uh, come out on top victorious and successful. Uh, whichever word you want to use there, victorious, successful, win, whatever word suits your vocabulary best. It's all the same, and in the end, there's a foundation that's absolute, and we need to make sure that we're standing upon it in our choices and in our decisions, our attitudes and our actions. So I mentioned before we're going to find out what we're supposed to be doing. I want to give you a passage of scripture here for your notes uh, from the book of Romans. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Romans chapter 12, verse 21. Now, I want to read the verse to you, and then I want to look at it from a couple of different angles. Now, there's, we could spend all of our time together just discussing this passage and, and how many angles there are to, to approach it. But, but I want to look at it and I want to build on this. Romans 12, 21. Now, Romans 12, 21 ends with this, this call. It's this passage of scripture that's ending with this call or this instruction. And this instruction is issued or given to, to me and you. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's an instruction that's issued to me and to you. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I want to pause there, and I want to, to just examine this. The fact that this is, is sovereignly released into my life by the Holy Spirit, that God would see to it that it's so important that I know this, that he would send these words through the mouth of Paul and through his pen to be written down so that thousands of years later I could read them and, and have what he has imparted to my life imparted to my life. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When I stop there and think about this, it tells me a lot of things. First of all, it tells me that evil is trying to overcome me. I mean, if evil's not trying to overcome me, then why would God give me instruction to not let evil overcome me? So that, that puts me on alert. 
It, it takes me out of some kind of a, an apathetic zone of comfort where I'm not on the alert looking around and examining what's going on. And if we can pull our heads out of the sand collectively and look around and examine what's going on, we will be what the Bible calls sober. You know, we, we won't be in a fog or in a, a haze or a daze, but we'll be in a place where we can see what's happening, and when we can see clearly what's happening, we can make choices and decisions that are much more effective and beneficial. So the first part of this just reveals to me that there is evil and it's trying to overcome my life. Now then, the, the second half of this, the, the, the but, or the, the rather, but overcome evil with good. And that's really where the instruction lies. You know, I mean, I'm supposed to, to resist being overcome by evil, but then the result of my resistance is meant to end in the evil itself being overcome with good. That's really what my life is supposed to be doing. All of the work of Jesus Christ in me and all of the power of the Holy Spirit in me and all of the work of Jesus in you and the power of the Holy Ghost in you is meant to be producing this result where we're not being overcome by evil, but rather we're overcoming evil with good. I want to give you a passage of scripture. This, this isn't in the notes. It's just kind of a, a side note, but out of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10, you have to go some 30-something verses into the, the scripture to find it. And let me just pull it up. I'm going to look for it here. Acts chapter 10. Look at verse 38. If you're writing it down for your notes. It's a description of Jesus. And in this description of Jesus, you have Jesus being revealed as the following. It says, Now you know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about then doing good. Well, there you go, doing good. Now the description of doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God is with him. If the Bible is defining doing good as, as helping other people who are suffering oppression by the devil, whether it's demonic oppression, whether it is, is carnality and it's, it's the result of the rejection and the, the uh, uh, sinful nature of men, you see people around you being lifted out of that oppression. By definition, what we see in this passage of Scripture is that is doing good. What I realize here in this passage of Romans is that I'm called to not be overcome by evil, but rather my life is called to overcome evil with good. It's given me pause to take a look at the things that are frustrating, the things that are attempting to overcome my life, the things that are attempting to make me quit, the things that are attempting to, to bring a sense of failure into my life. It's given me pause to look at those things and ask this question, God, this evil is attempting to overcome me. So where am I meant to apply good in order to overcome it? Where am I needing to apply good? Which one of these people, which one of these circumstances am I meant to go and bring freedom from oppression to in order to respond to this evil that's attempting to overcome my, my life? Whether it's in my mind, whether it's in my, my uh, being in any way, shape, or form. It could be attacking your home. It could be attacking your marriage. It could be attacking your, your place of work or your business. So when we consider this passage of Scripture, I think it's also good to consider that this is always present. I mean, you're really given two options here. Either evil is overcoming you or you are overcoming evil. Those are really the only two things that are included in the Scripture. There's no third option. 
There's no truce. There's no compromise. At the end of the day, something is overcoming. And here's what's at stake as it concerns the, the things that are attempting to overcome your life. Your freedom is at stake. My freedom is at stake. Freedom in general is at stake. I'll give you a passage of scripture here uh, written by Peter, 2 Peter 2.19. That's the back part of the scripture, the, the end portion of the scripture. But 2 Peter 2.19, as the scripture winds down, it says, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. So just, just to kind of paint a little bit of a picture, and, and I don't mind showing my clay feet, this past week there was an attempt for a, a poverty to enslave me, feelings of failure to enslave me. There was an attempt for, for a, a sense of hopelessness to enslave me. These things were attempting to come into my life and overcome all of the good that's in me. And if those things are allowed to overcome those things, my freedom is lost. I'm then a slave to hopelessness. And let me tell you something. Hopelessness is a merciless master. Poverty is a merciless master. Failure is a merciless master. But when we consider our, our relationship with our King Jesus, that he would say, take upon you my yoke. Come and share my yoke with me. It's easy and it's light. The burden is light. That is the master that I desire to have in my life. And then to understand that that, that relationship is meant to be elevated, where Jesus would look to his own disciples and say, I no longer call you servants, or I no longer call you slaves, but now I call you friends. That there is a, a graduation from, from one to the next in that sense. In how we live and how we function and how we trust and how we surrender and how we grow and how we mature in fellowship and how we've been called out of one aspect of the relationship into another as we grow and as we mature. And that ultimate call as we're born again to be sons and daughters of God. You'll never find such a relationship with any other master. Overcoming is overcoming becomes a part of our life produces wonderful benefits. So I want to, to give you a list of some of these benefits and read some of the scripture that would testify. Now, a lot of these passages of scripture are going to come from the book of Revelation because Jesus speaks about overcoming and its, its benefits in the book of Revelation often. So one of the first benefits to overcoming is going to be life. Now, I'm not talking about a pulse and, and, and being in a state of breathing. I'm talking about the, the life that Jesus came to bring. The, the Greek word is zoe. It's, a, it's abundant life. It, it is everything that God would design for life to be celebrated. You're talking about uh, the, the security and the stability and the peace and the joy, the life that we have been called to live. More than simply being able to you know, pass the fog a mirror test. But we're talking about the life, the vibrant life that God has called us to. Life is a result of overcoming. As we'll see in the passage of Scripture, it's one of the benefits. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, Jesus is speaking and says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to him to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. I mean, that's, that sounds pretty awesome, right? I'd sign up for that. Revelation 2.11, 
to him who overcomes, they will not be hurt by the second death. I mean, that's, that you're talking about eternal judgment there. Revelation 3, 5. He who overcomes will thus be clothed with garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. Well, that sounds good. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. So you see these passages of scripture here about all of the things that we hold to as promises. I mean, you're talking about eternal life. Uh, in short, not going to hell, right? I mean, not suffering the second death, as the, the word puts it in Revelation. Uh, you, you see these promises of having your name in the Lamb's book of life and, and your name confessed before the Father. These are things that we hold tight to as, as the promises that our, our faith is, is founded upon, the things that God has brought into our lives through, through the crucifixion and the resurrection of our King Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the promise to eat of the, the tree of life. I mean, you see all of these things that, that we stand upon, and as Jesus presents these things, he presents these things as conditional upon one element, and that element is overcoming overcoming. I want to give you another benefit of overcoming. Life was, was one. Another is authority. Authority. Now, this sounds a little odd, but let me just tell you something. The majority of the things that were frustrating to me over this past week were things where I felt like I had no control. They were things where I felt like I couldn't do anything, where I, I couldn't bring any solution to it. And I've got news for you. If you are a blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled believer, that is an absolute lie. You always can do something. You carry the Holy Spirit of God. You are, are in, in a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You are a child of the Most High God. The, the prayers and, and the, the intercession that you are capable of are absolutely powerful. And it's a deception to think that any earthly thing is a more potent solution to any situation or circumstance than the power of the kingdom of heaven. Now, sometimes we need to remind ourselves of that. In fact, oftentimes, I believe we need to remind ourselves of that. But authority is a benefit of overcoming. I'll give you a passage of scripture here again from Revelation. Revelation 2, I want to look at verses 26 and 27. Jesus says, to he who overcomes, to the, to the one who overcomes, and the one that keeps my deeds until the very end, to that one I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule with an iron, uh, a rod of iron. And a, a, as, as the vessels of the potter are broken into pieces, so also I have received authority from my Father. I might have not read that as clear as I wanted to. But the point is, is that there's authority that's attached to overcoming. That the ones that overcome, even unto the end, one of the rewards and the benefits is authority. And as Jesus says that this authority is the same that he received from the Father, we're finding a, a situation here that's being revealed that this is a way in which we can share or be like Jesus. If you'll remember when I mentioned we're going to find three things, the second thing was how to be like Jesus. Let me give you a passage of scripture here. Uh, from Revelation, the next chapter. We read from chapter 2, now Revelation chapter 3, verse 21. Revelation 3, 21, it reads like this. He who overcomes, I will give to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his. 
I mean, this is a way in which we can be like Jesus. Jesus is saying to the one that overcomes, I will do this in the same way that I overcame and I got this. We can share in, in the ministry, in the anointing, and in all of the works of Jesus Christ by functioning and, and achieving those things which he functioned and achieved. And that is overcoming. So one of the benefits is going to be life. Another is going to be authority. A third one is going to be identity. Identity is a powerful thing. I mean, your identity makes up who you are. And many of the people in this world that suffer bondages and afflictions and addictions and all kinds of things that are destructive to their lives are struggling with identity issues. I can tell you that that was my case. When my life was extremely destructive, when addiction had a grip on my life, when there were all kinds of, of uh, destructive behaviors and patterns and, and decision-making that was absolutely poor and outside of God's will for my life, the root issue of all of those things was, was this misunderstanding or this lack of knowledge of my identity. I had no idea the worth of my life, and so I willingly offered it up uh, for nothing. So Revelation chapter 21, verse 7. It reads like this. He who overcomes will have an inheritance. I will be his God and he will be my son. So forget about the, the gender-specific nature of the passage of Scripture, but just take a look at what's being said. To the one that overcomes, there will be inheritance, and then there will be identity. Identity as a child of the Most High God. Identity as having God Most High as your Heavenly Father. What a wonderful and powerful thing to have imparted to our lives. I mean, just to be reminded of our identity is to set every one of these, these evil things that's attempting to overcome your thinking or overcome your life or overrun all that is stable from the kingdom of God in your life like a flood, all of these things are, are, are made extremely small in their effectiveness with that one piece being imparted to your life. That's your identity. Your identity that God's your father. Now, there's a couple of things that are amazing about this. I mean, because God is, is my father, he's, he's outside of time and he's, he's knowing of all things that he would make me, that he would create me, knowing all of my flaws and all of my failures, that he would still ordain my life and then that he would pay the highest price to redeem my life so that he could call me son. These things are liberating to come to the awareness that God loves me with an absolute and unconditional love. And as you begin to confess these things, as you begin to focus on these things and dwell on these things, as God's love and his, his care and his affection for your life grow bigger and greater in your mind and in your heart, all of the evil attempting to overcome shrinks and shrinks and fades away. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. It reads like this. It gives a, a description of, of uh, God's plans for our lives as we overcome. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. I will write on him the name of God and the name of the city of God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from heaven. 
I mean, these are things that are meant to identify us, that we are, are called to function and operate with an identity as being of the Most High God. And when we have that understanding and that awareness, all of the things that are attempting to wash us away and sweep us away with panic and anxiety and frustration, all of the things that are taking advantage of, of the crossroads that we deal with, the opportunity to overcome, they begin to fail and fall away. I'll give you a, another passage here from Revelation chapter 2, verse 17. To him who overcomes, to him I will give of the hidden manna. That's provision. And I'll give him a white stone, and on this stone, a new name. A new name written on the stone, which no one else knows, but the one who receives it. So I got to tell you something. I mean, when I read passages of scripture like that, I remember the first time that I ever read that. I read that, and I thought, that sounds so amazingly different and strange than, from the things that are in my everyday life. But as I read it today and understand the power of identity, I realize now what is being revealed here, that overcoming brings into fellowship and relationship my life with the life of God in a way that no one else can relate to. No one has the same testimony you have. No one has seen God do the things that he's done in your life. Your relationship with God, as you begin to make all of the choices and all the decisions that bring him honor and glory at every one of these crossroads, refusing to let evil overcome you, but rather devoting your life to doing good and overcoming evil, your fellowship with God will be absolutely 100% unique. That identity is a powerful thing. That identity is meant to be liberating from any idea that you're common, that your relationship with God is casual in any way at all, that you're just a face in the crowd, that maybe if you just kind of swim with the school that you won't get caught in the net. But the reality is God's relationship with you is 100% personal. Based on that passage of scripture, he's going to call me by a name that no one else will call me pretty interesting. I wonder what my name's going to be. Hmm. Names are funny things. I remember when we were expecting our sons and we would have conversations about names. There were many names that we were not in agreement on. And uh, my wife's idea of naming sons is not the same as my idea of naming sons. And you know, uh, uh, my names, my list of names sounded like they should, like, move to New York and work for the mafia, you know. It, it was like, yes, you can name your son that if you'd like for him to be a professional hitman. You know, that's, that's a good name, you know. Uh, her names were, 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 you know, if you wanted your son to be a professional hairdresser. And, and I was thinking, I, I don't like that. So, you know, I mean, listen... It's a career, that's great, but uh, there's just some names out there I didn't like. And then you deal with this, you know, where you, you throw a name out there and then you hear, no, 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 I knew somebody named that, you know. And, and so people ruin names for everybody, right? I mean, it just kind of happens. But Jesus has a name for you, for you specifically. I mean, I look forward to that day when I get to look at Jesus and he gets to hand me a white rock and I get to flip it over and be like, yep, that's me. Nobody knows me like you. That's totally me. It's going to be great. So how can we overcome? I mean, if we see all these benefits, your identity 
is at stake if we fail to overcome. Your authority is at stake if we fail to overcome. Life is at stake if we fail to overcome. So how then can we overcome? I mean, if the call on our life is to to overcome evil with good and not be overcome by evil in this world, I want to know how to overcome. There's no doubt about it that there's a, a, a push for evil to overcome things in this world. I've never seen it as potent or as strong as I've seen it in my lifetime over the past year. I mean, I can even look at at life and and the vibrancy in the church and praise God for your faithfulness and your, your conviction and your presence here and your willingness to release your giftings and your anointings. My heart breaks for churches that, that are continually empty because people are afraid. And I look at the things that are going on and my, my, my heart gets excited because I see a crossroads, a massive crossroads, where there'll be people that will be overcome by evil. Yes, there will be. But will there be people who will overcome evil with good? Absolutely. And I'm looking at them right now. Your life is called to overcome evil with good, and God has placed everything you need inside of you, the authority of the name of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, that conviction and that drive in you that refuses to let evil wash away everything good in your life, and that passion to stand firm and to let the things of God prevail. How can we overcome? I want to give you a couple of passages of Scripture here. You have your notes. I mentioned to you we're going to find something, uh, the foundation of of successful uh, thinking and and living. We'll find that here in a moment. But as you uh, turn in your Bibles, you can go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I want to look at verses 4 and 5. Knowing what all is at stake, knowing that life as God has called it, Zoe life, abundant life is at stake, authority is at stake. Identity is at stake. How can we overcome? First and foremost, it starts as you become a believer. It begins at new birth. I mean, this is an, a, a, a right of the believer as you are a son or a daughter of God. You'll see in 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 4, that whoever is born of God, whoever is born again, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. That passage goes on to say, uh, who is the one that overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now that word believes there is a word that I often stop on and and think about because that word believes is challenged in in so many ways. When I think of the word believes, it's not a simple acknowledgement of something's existence, you know, like a child might believe in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. But the word believes literally means to to put trust in. To put trust in. A lot of places in my Bible, I'll even scratch out the word believe and and maybe write put trust in or or have it out on the side because I want to, to go beyond acknowledging the existence of something being what defines belief. But I want my life to be affected by where I place my trust. Am I putting my trust in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? If Jesus Christ is the Son of God, then every promise that's in this book, every time he says to the one that overcomes, 
to the one that overcomes, to the one that overcomes, to the one that overcomes. I know that that promise attached to that overcoming is real and is true and will be there present just as it has been spoken. If he is who he says he is. If he's not who he says he is, we have a problem. So it's no wonder then that putting my trust in the truth that Jesus is the Son of God, that it has been confirmed by the empty tomb, that it has been confirmed by his ascension into the heavens, that it has been confirmed with signs and wonders, that it has been confirmed by being the most powerful and documented man in human history, that it has been confirmed by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, that it has been confirmed in my experience of those things, being sealed myself, that it has been confirmed. Now I can put my trust in the truth that he is the son of God. And every time he said to the one who overcomes, I can be guaranteed that when I will overcome, those things are for me and those things are for you. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Through our faith, our faith in what? That Jesus overcame the world and that we can put our trust in that he is who he says he is. Jesus spoke these words himself from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33. John 16, 33, Jesus said, These things I've spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation. I mean, you can fill in the blank there with whatever word you want. Problems, hardships, difficulties. In the world you have tribulation. But be of good courage, I have overcome the world. What a great thing to fix our mind on. That no matter what you face, no matter what you deal with, no matter what is trying to come like a flood and overwhelm your thinking and, and, and take away the courage in your heart and affect your choices and decisions, that Jesus has overcome the world. I mentioned we were going to find the foundation of, of successful thinking and, and successful life. I want to offer that to you here as we close. Out of the book of 1 John, uh, chapter 4, verse 4. As John is writing this, he's writing it to believers, he's writing it to you, he's writing it to me. And he writes these words to us, knowing of all of the hardship in the world, knowing of all of the crossroads where evil will evil either overcome or evil will be overcome. Knowing of all of these crossroads that will exist in your life and in my life, he writes these words to us. He says, you are from God, little children, and you have overcome. Now he gives the reason why we overcome, and it's this reason that needs to be at the foundation of our thinking, at the foundation of our life, so that we can have victorious thinking and victorious living. At the foundation of everything that is overcoming is this truth, because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is Jesus in you than any evil that exists in the world. You can continue to focus on this passage of Scripture and, and condense it and simplify it and, and make it as accessible as possible in your mind. The reality is Jesus is bigger than any problem. Jesus is stronger 
than any assault. Jesus is, is smarter than any challenge. Jesus is victory. And I think it's important knowing that our life is one crossroads after the next of choice or decision to either let what is coming against us win and overcome or rather to overcome that with good. When we are at these crossroads, I think it's important to have that as the foundation of every one of our thoughts. That Jesus is the solution. I think we can st still our minds from panic and from anxiety with the reality and the truth that Jesus is victorious. I think we can protect our hearts from being filled with fear and that we can remain courageous no matter what we face or deal with by simply reminding ourselves and reminding one another and standing firm together on the truth that Jesus is the King of Kings the Lord of Lords, that he's absolute victory and that he's greater than anything that exists in this world. And I think it's there that we find the equipping that we need to overcome. No wonder John would write that we would overcome by our faith, by putting our trust in that Jesus is who he says he is. Because who is Jesus? He's victory. He's the one who could stand and say, have peace, be of good cheer, take courage, because I, and now he reveals his identity, have overcome the world. Jesus is the overcomer. Therefore, we can overcome. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I know that every one of us deal with thoughts and, and feelings and, and situations and circumstances of life that bring us to those crossroads. And I can tell you that, that I don't think there is a time when we could be uh, outside of the need of continued encouragement and, and the awareness that Jesus is who he says he is. And as we stand together, as we commit to one another to, to live our lives in such a way that we might encourage one another, with the reminder through our words and through our actions that greater is Jesus than anything that we deal with. I trust and believe that as a, as a congregation, as individuals, we could truly be identified as overcomers. And as we're identified as overcomers in our lives, we could anticipate every benefit that comes with overcoming, celebrating the life of God that he's ordained, shared between us in fellowship and in love and in affection in every godly way that God has united us, that we can celebrate authority, walking in victory over all of Satan and his schemes and his plans, united together, willing to encourage one another to the point of overcoming, that we understand and know that in Jesus we win. And that we can stand united with our identity, never once second-guessing who we are. That we are the saints, we are the holy ones, we are the blood-bought, ransomed, redeemed, spirit-filled children of God. Called to be the force of heaven on the earth today. And we can trust and believe for the effects and the results of that identity to be released and revealed through our lives, through our words and through our actions every aspect of our being. I want to pray, and I want to pray for us collectively. 
that we might understand and believe and put our trust in who Jesus is and the result would be a life of constant overcoming no matter what crossroads we stand at. So there where you stand, I want to offer this prayer for us collectively this morning. You're welcome to be in agreement or simply a state of receiving. But I want to trust and believe God by his spirit to do a great work in each one of us. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call upon our lives to overcome evil with good. Let there be an awareness in our minds and in our hearts that this is a call that you've placed upon us with purpose to see the works of the devil destroyed, to see your kingdom expanded, that you have purchased us with a price, that you have poured out your spirit upon us so that we might walk in victory, so that as we come to every crossroads where there is an opportunity for evil to overcome or for evil to be overcome, that we would stand in our lives under your anointing and see to it that evil is overcome with good. Let every whisper and every lie and every deception that would try to make its way into our heart and mind to say anything different, let it be crushed by the truth that you have called your children to be victorious in Jesus. And let the result of overcoming be present in our lives and through our lives. Let there be a celebration of the abundant life that you've called us to. Let there be a release of the authority that you have offered to us in the name of Jesus. And let there be in us an identity that would not be compromised, would not be shaken, would not be abandoned in times of trouble, but that we would stand firm knowing that by your love and your affection for us, we have been identified for all eternity as your beloved children. And let the power of that understanding affect and define who we are and how we behave and let the result be overcoming. We bless your name and we thank you for every victory. We confess that without Jesus, there is no victory in our lives. And we celebrate your love and your affection in our lives to make us be the victorious people that you have purchased and called us to be. We bless your name and we thank you for your word. Let it be lived out as truth in every aspect of our living for your glory. We say thank you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.